Hi and welcome to the Beetle Places podcast with Mark and Carl. Konnichiwa, and okay, the new two. We're going to proudly present episode zero, our very first one, of the Beetle Places podcast, presented by our local guides and podcast hosts, Mark and Cole. The Beetle Places podcast is your, going to be, or hopefully will be, your regular slice of Beetle Places miscellany, celebrating the world's greatest band and all things Liverpool. Hooray! Very good. And each podcast will enjoy an informal chinwag and several cups of tea, yes, talking please. about the many places and the people the Beatles knew here in Liverpool in their formative years and the stories behind them. You'll hear many new items, fun Ooh. features Ooh. and a lot of surprising details for really? all Beatles fans, young <laughs> and old, and even those in the middle too. Oh. Which includes me. Uh, it's a fascinating history and it's our pleasure to tell it. Beetle Places is about the band and John, Paul, George and Ringo themselves, where they lived, loved, lost, played, dreamed and a lot more besides. And we hope that if you enjoyed it half as much as we enjoyed making it, then that's twice as much as we expected. I think I think we got is that right? Yeah, I think yeah, I think, I think something so. like that. Yeah, anyway. so, something on, on a version of that. Yeah. yeah, right. Carry on. So, so everyone, relax. Just put your feet up, but, <sighs> but not if you're driving or operating forklift truck. <sighs> Uh, and enjoy today's very special episode, episode zero of Beetle Places podcast, live from Liverpool. Hooray! Round of applause. Well done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> After all, this is this is where it all began. Yes. And a splendid time is guaranteed for all. I've heard so, that before. Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, we ought to copyright that before it's too late. Aye. Uh, right. So let's let's do some intros. Who am I? Well, Mark, uh, Mark remind I think, me. I think you're Colin Gardner, aren't you? That's your name. So in that it? case, the other guy in the room is Mark Linister. Hello. Hey, that's me. He yep. doesn't look a bit like me. No. Hello I'm, there, I'm mate. God for that. Hello. <laughs> well, well done. As Cole <laughs> rightly pointed out, he's right, and thank goodness for that. I'm Mark. Hello there, Cole, and Ooh. listeners everywhere. Caught me in the middle of a cup of tea there. Very good. <laughs> uh, it's no. nice to be here. Oh, I'm glad. It's yeah. nice to be anywhere, really. So. <laughs> Carry on. So, a uh, bit of a short biography here. Now, Mark, if I'm looking at him, and I am right this minute, he's a big Beatles fan, but he's actually a big ELO nut as well. And we've known each other a fairly long time. We, and we met each other when we were working at local hospital radio, which accounts for our professional type voices now you hear it. <laughs> yes. And uh, we found out what we both like is 60s music, comedy records, and uh, you name it. And we've been mates ever since. We have. Aye. And indeed, indeed, yes, quite right. Uh, like me, Carl is a huge Beatles fan and he's also a writer as well. It was a wee while back when we realised we hadn't explored our own backyard of mm. Merseyside. Mm. And so we spent some time visiting all the Beatle places we knew and then went on to find out even more. I'm afraid we did, yeah. Uh, we went to a few. Miles and miles we <laughs> travelled. As a result, Cole spent a few re- few years researching and writing even more. Oh, 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 and uh, not that long ago, published a book on the thousands of Beatle places we found in Merseyside and a little beyond. The clever lad called the book Beatle Places. 
I just thought that was catchy. What do you, what, very what do you, original. What do you think? Well done. Have a biscuit. <laughs> as well as a Beatle Places Instagram page and a website, and this year released another Beatles book about the Beatles oh, family trees. Oh, it did, now you mention it. Called yeah. Beatle Family Trees, of all things. He's been quite a busy little man. I, I am, yeah, and there's hardly any time for anything else. So, so we're going to do this now. We're going to do a Beatles podcast, and it's our very first one. So we're going to talk about all the things we found out and uh, and, and all the fun we've had and uh, maybe a bit more besides. So stay tuned. Aye. So welcome one and all to the Beatles podcast. Cheers. Ah. So, in this episode, let me tell you, we're going to have regular features every time we have an episode, and um, as well as regular tantrums. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have the Beatles Trivia Quiz, which is what Mark's going to do, and let's see how good you are today with that. <coughs> uh, we're also going to have the Beatles Places Album Guide to the Fab Four. So we're going to look at one of their albums, or Gracest albums, and we're going to talk about what was said about it, what was what were the facts and figures about that album. Yeah. Um, Mark's going to be looking at this month in Beatle history, and um, we're going to look at all the years of the uh, career path of the Beatles. We're going to look at one month in particular, and you never know what's going to be. Mark will tell you more. And uh, also we're going to do the Beatles book review, where we're going to just pick one or two of those worthwhile reads, maybe not so worthwhile reads, and we'll talk about it we'll just tell you what we think about it honestly and uh, uh, there's no uh, there's we're gonna have no filters we're just gonna say what we think aye quite right so uh, and also because I've got lots of books <coughs> here and I wrote one as well we're gonna um, have a special feature or two so this week and this particular episode we're gonna look at John Lennon and the New Zealand connection New Zealand you say New oh, Zealand yeah, so so there you go so on with the motley wow so here's the man who got specially dressed for the first edition podcast. Hey. Sat there in his lucky lederhosen outfit. It's our Mark. You're not supposed to tell him that. <laughs> well, right, we've got a bit of a quiz now, a Beatles Places trivia quiz, where um, we've got quite a few interesting bits and pieces, and uh, I'm going to tax Cole's brain as yeah, well. Yeah, I was going to say, so, I, even I don't know what's coming next. <laughs> I hope. Brace yourself. Right. Here we go. Question number one of three, three trivia quiz questions. Right, here we go. Eyes down, look in. When the Beatles recorded their audition tape for Decca on January the 1st, 1962, Mike Smith, the assistant to Dick Rowe, who was the A&R man for, for Decca, was told that he could only pick one group of the two he auditioned on that day. Now, what was the name of the other group, apart from the Beatles, that played that day? Okay. Anybody know? Right. So that's the first question. Nice. Answers coming up later on, so don't go home yet. <laughs> question two. Right, on Stanley Street, there is a statue by Tommy Steele of Eleanor Rigby. St by the way, Stanley Street, listeners, is a place in Liverpool. It is indeed, yeah. Where, uh, on the corner, they bought some of their instruments from... Uh, Hesse's. From Hesse's. Right, so Tommy Steele... The well-known singer, dancer, actor and everything. Been gone for years and years and years. He did a statue of Eleanor Rigby, which he gave to the city for, and in brackets, half a sixpence. Did he? Okay, yeah, he did. <laughs> but what had he placed inside the statue? 
he put something inside it, a few things. So he's put some things inside the statue and uh, it's nice little things he's put okay. in. So I'll tell you what they are a bit later on. Okay. And finally, a dead easy one. You must get this one. What happened on Saturday, the 6th of July, 1957? Anybody know that one? Oh, I can't remember what it is. This Saturday, never mind then. <laughs> but, uh, OK, so read that one out again, just the so last, last bit. I'll read it the last bit again. What's the date? So question three, dead easy question. What happened on Saturday, the 6th of July, 1957? 1957. OK, OK. Uh, so everyone's tuning in. Quite a few that. years yeah, ago Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop looking at me answers <laughs> now. <laughs> I can read upside down. Oh, I'll turn the page over. Oh, oh, oh. You're stuck now. Ah, I've got my special right. see-through glasses on here. Right. Um, uh, OK. Cheers, Ma. OK. Coming to a pair of ears near you every now and then, it's the Beetle Places podcast. Righto. Let's see who can get them. And meanwhile, it's over to Cole for our next feature, the Beetle Places album guide. Cheers, mate. There you go. <laughs> you, can have, you can have another cup of tea now. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> so what are we going to do? This is a regular feature, we're going to um, feature of all words, and uh, it's about the Beatles Places albums. You know how many albums the Beatles officially made. So we're going to look at one or two of them each time, and uh, we'll talk, talk about the facts and figures of the album. First album is going to get a mention, their very first album. And in this episode, we're looking at their very first album, Please Please Me. And it was a heck of an album as well. So it was recorded by Parlophone on the 11th of February 1963. It was released 22nd of March 1963 in the UK. And, to, and uh, well, as far as I can work out, the total day's costs amounted to about £400 to produce it. Wow, that I much? Mean, my, my car <laughs> MOT was more than that. But anyway, <laughs> so each Beatle got about £22 and 10 shillings in old money. Uh, to them because they were under musicians' union fees at the time for that day's work, and it was literally a day's work, not not much more than that. A few few extra things were done later, but uh, essentially one whole day. So each uh, each beetle got that much to go with. The recording itself began at 10 a.m., and then they bothered with 11 tracks. They recorded 11 tracks, which they recorded and finished the same day, at about 10:45 in the evening. Uh, and that amounts to, as somebody did, probably Mark Lewison's worked this one out, about 580-odd minutes in total. So producer George Martin was quite uh, impressed with the band anyway, and he liked them, as far as we can tell, anyways. And he remarked at the time how gruelling the whole session was, but he noticed that they got better the more they played, and he didn't know how they did it. <laughs> yeah, so, Wow. So uh, you already know if you've bought the record or you've got a you've got a fascination with the vinyl thing that there was a stereo and a mono version re issued respectively, and it was recorded. Are you ready for this? It was only recorded on two tracks. I know Sergeant Pepper was recorded on four, with some help, but uh, two tracks is a you know it's uh, it's good going if you can do it. So the album, of course, if you've, if you've ever bought its account, if you've got a vinyl version in front of you, it's got 14 tracks on it, so none of which goes over three minutes long. And that includes Please Please Me, Love Me Do, and Twist and Shout. They also recorded an extra version, which never appeared on the album, called Hold Me Tight, which turned up on album two. 
Um, uh, it was left off for reasons I don't know. I'm sorry, Mark. I don't know. No, so, we'll have to find that out, won't we? Well, you can write to them, but I don't think they're going to answer you back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the album length in total was 32 minutes and 45 seconds. So it did get good reviews straight away, no question about that. The British press thought it was surprisingly good, and uh, that's good enough for me. So the closing track of, uh, of the album was Twist and Shout, famously known as, and it was uh, recommended by a local journalist, uh, a fellow from Birkenhead, called Alan Smith. And I've been to his house, by the oh, way. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and he was a music journalist who had moved from local journalism, like Derek Taylor, and he'd gone to work in London for the New Musical Express, the big music uh, press uh, newspaper, I suppose it is still a newspaper after all said and done. And it was a weekly newspaper which reported on all the news. So it was a big deal, but Alan Smith was their contact in London for music and press and PR, and he really helped them along. Uh, and I'll tell you more about him another time. So he went to visit them in Abbey Road, and when he was chatting to the, the band between Cups of Tea, he uh, reminded Paul, I think it was, how lively uh, one of the songs they did at the Cavern was, but he couldn't quite remember the name of it, so he wasn't sure if it was something to do with... Uh, um, well, as far as he knew, he couldn't quite remember it, but um, he said it had a Latin feel to it, and uh, they reminded him it was Twist and Shout. And so they considered it, and in no time at all, they put that on. And uh, it is a cracker of a song, and it, it still sounds great now. That's the one he had to leave till the very end, wasn't it? Because uh, he was going to rag his voice, protect wasn't he? his yeah. voice till the, the last one, and you can tell he's had enough by the end of that song, I think. Um, you can hear it. But yeah. he, he did two versions of it, though. He had two goes at it, yeah. if you didn't know that. Um, there's a song on there called Misery, which I, I really used. You remember me playing that years ago, a lot? Oh, uh, um, it made you miserable to realise it. Still recovering. The song on there, there was a song on there called Misery. Not not so much a hit single, but it's a nice song. And um, it was intended for one of their touring uh, aficionados. Somebody they were toured with, a lady called Helen Shapiro, was recommended to have a go at recording it. And, it, and she turned it down. Don't know why. But another guy on this particular package tour they did in 1963 was a fellow called Kenny Lynch. And he had a go, and he became the very first person to ever cover a Beatles song. It's quite an astounding uh, fact when you think about how many more have happened since. So Kenny Lynch himself, if you don't know the guy, uh, there's two facts about him you should know. One is he wrote Shalalali for the small faces. I bet you're going to start singing it now, Mark. Aren't you? I, I, in my head. Yeah. It's going in my head, yeah. And if you look on Paul's album for Band on the Run, he's on the cover. So he's in there too. Kenny Lynch is the fella's name, so look, look out for him. And um, final bits and pieces about the album, Please Please Me, was the album cover of the band leaning over a balcony was uh, a big tower block building called the EMI Headquarters building in London. And it, it was first suggested that they do a, an album cover based in London Zoo. And stupidly, London Zoo turned them down. <laughs> so uh, even even Brian Epstein... Uh, or Epstein. I never get that quite right. No, no I don't. I don't know which is the right way. You know, because I know I know people who are Epsteins and Epsteins, and yeah. I always they don't seem to mind. No. Um, then Brian Epstein, Steen, uh, <laughs> Stein, Steen. Uh, <laughs> I've lost. I've lost my train of thought now. Carry but on. But he suggested being photographed outside Abbey, Abbey Road Studios. Uh, ring a bell. 
Um, and again, they t the, the EMI heads said no, and they were not interested in that. So they just decided to photograph the band leaning over the balcony of EMI headquarters, and that, that was, was good enough. Turns out the building itself was demolished in years, years later, not at the time. And, uh, but the balcony, wisely, was kept and has been sort of archived, let's put it that way. So there's, there's the album, a strange first album, great first album, Please Please Me by The Beatles. Well done. Excellent. Now we are doing this month in Beatles history. Just a couple of uh, lines about what happened uh, years and years ago on different months of the years that um, the Beatles were knocking about. Uh, is, that, so is that an official phrase? Knocking about. Knocking about. Oh, aye. In every Beatles podcast, we feature this month in Beatles history. So it gives us a sense of how the band developed over the years, mm. what they were up to, what they did when they weren't playing the music and their private lives as well. And this month, uh, we're going to feature the month of June, because it's June now. And we'll look at the years 1963 and 1966. Go, go so right ahead. Here on my piece of paper, <laughs> there we have June the 18th, 1963. What happened then? Any mm. idea? It was Paul's 21st birthday. Oh, and it's coming up soon, isn't it, really? It is, yeah. yeah it's a new one. Uh, it was held in a marquee in uh, Auntie Jin's house. In Heighton. In the Heighton and Dean, oh, Dina's Lane. Dina's Lane, 147 Dina's Lane. I've been there as well. Aye. So he was 21. It's the same date as my dad's birthday as well, oh, June right. the 18th. And uh, somebody else we know as well. I'll tell you later. Uh, so uh, we'll go forward three years to 1966. But back a day to June, to June the 17th. So 1966, June the 17th. So considering you know what's happened, 62, 63... Three years have passed, and uh, Paul McCartney decides to buy a 183-acre dairy farm in Macrihanish in Kintyre, Scotland. Like, so, you, like you do. Like you do, three like years do. after you just started uh, <laughs> being famous, by an enormous dairy farm, which uh, he still has. In the Mull of Kintyre. In the Mull of Kintyre, which is after the song, so or the song is after the Mull of Kintyre. So uh, that's two interesting mm. things from involving Paul McCartney from uh, 1963, June the 18th, when he was 21, and 1966, June the 17th, when he bought a farm, as you do every day. <laughs> I was I was only shopping the other day thinking, it's about time I, I went on eBay. And bought a farm. And bought a farm, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, slight so, issue with the finances. Yeah, same here, yeah. So more to come on uh, this month in Beatles history a bit later on. Uh, in another episode. All right, cheers, Mark. Thanks, thanks, mate. Hey, up! Are you thirteen, amp? Even if you're not, it's Beetle Places podcast time, folks. So, um, what's next? I think what's next is our next regular feature, and uh, it's my turn now. And I'm going to tell you it's time to settle down with a good book because we're going to look at the Beatles book review. Um, I'm going to consider one of the books I've got. Mark will too. So um, uh, let's just say what we can do. Uh, we're going to read. We could talk about one of the Beatles books we've got. And I've got. I've got 
zillions of them. I don't know about you, Mark. But I have. Yeah, I keep we, finding we, them we, all over the place. And you I, don't, don't, I don't remember. I don't remember buying that. <laughs> I've got it. Well, that's the thing about Beatles books. That, yeah, it's another aspect, another point of view. It's another uh, author, and uh, some are great, some are terrible, but. Um, and uh, the best ones, I think, we'll start, we'll start with some good ones, uh, just to help you along, and uh, that way you can avoid the, the bad ones. And, uh, well, it does what it says on the tin, this review. We're just going to look at what there is, and uh, let's see how it is. The book I'm, the book I'm mentioning is this one. I'm, oh, showing, I'm showing it to Mark. Right. Look, look, pages. Ooh. Ooh. And also, I was thinking, are what? they all still published, these books? Can you still get yeah. hold of them? Yeah, the, the good news is I'm talking about um, available books at the moment. Mm. Some have got a rare, some stopped being published jobs back. Yeah. Others, like the, this one we will come to in a minute, has been published and republished a uh, hundred times. So, um, as far as I know, it's still available. So, uh, all right. Well, um, Q, the, the other Q thing Colin is, there's, there's, there's certain websites where you can buy old books that are antiquarian. Let's put it that way. Oh, very That's good. That's a big score. It's a big scrabble. word. Yeah, big score and scrabble. Right. Um, so, uh, this isn't an old book. It's a newish book. It's been out, oh, 10 years, but it's available. It's called The Rough Guide to the Beatles. It's a chunky little number. It is. And, Pretty nice. Um, it's by a fellow called. Uh, Chris Ingham. Chris Ingham, yeah, who, who we don't know well. <laughs> no, I've never heard um, of him, to be um, honest. But wow, he's done a great job, really good job. And what, what I like is, um, let's imagine you've just got a point, you you, you want to read up something about <clears throat> the Beatles, and anything might take your fancy. Well, this book contains the story of the Beatles, the songs of the Beatles, analysed and uh, emphasised, and the solo years of the Beatles. So it's a really good retrospective of... Uh, what they were like as the band, their background is, is covered in a lot of ways, and then they do post-Beatles stuff, so it's it's excellent. The pictures are in there with a, an awful lot to uh, remind you what they've done. They did an awful lot in less than 10 years, mm. and uh, when they did their so post-Beatles gear, um, again, uh, there's some interesting reviews. All the tracks of each album are listed, and they mention uh, certain aspects of what's in them and how they were influenced. Of course, they cover you know uh, the beginnings of the band, and they talk about things like um, the gossip and the rumor of what happened to Beatles, who wasn't on an out Beatles album when they should have been, um, what happened with Brian Epstein and John Lennon. That's always been wondered. Paul is dead. Remember that one? Oh, I. Well, well, I've covered that particular one in my book, so right. that's a load of that's a load of cod's wallop. Anyway. But um, luckily, Chris Ingham's covered a lot of ground with this very short tome. Who who is Chris Ingham, by the way? Do, um, you, do you know? He, is he, he's, a, he's a music journalist music that I know of. But um, luckily, he's he's thinking exactly how I'd want to read a book, which mm. is give me the background, give me the pre-story, give me the sort of success phase, talk about things like he talks about Liverpool in a big way, which is exactly what you and I have done. Right, and. Um, and then take it as far as you can. So basically, it's a tour guide, it's a record review, it's, uh, there's a lot of things about the albums are covered, the movies are covered in a certain uh, certain amount of detail. I, I just like it. And um, the, index, the indexing helps a lot because you never know. 
uh, what you who was responsible for what sometimes and of course at the end he gives you the best Beatles websites and it's an old book so ours isn't on it just yet but uh, it'll end up there one <laughs> day yeah. if, if you send him enough money if there are any cop yeah <laughs> so um, yeah there's so a check in the post that's that's the book um, it's available in all good bookshops um, it probably cost me about five six quid to buy which I got second hand and uh, it's Chris Ingham. It's on Rough Guide Books, Penguin Publishers. And the price of the book that I can see is 11 quid. Uh, and a bit more in, in America and Canada. Probably gone up a bit now. And it might have gone up. It's, it's brilliant. It's very good if you want to grab everything there is to know and become a blagger of the Beatles. Mm. You get, what I, it's what I call a bug book. Very good. So you can read it. I can see you've been reading it in the back by the look I, of the pages. That's so really the back. gone all crinkly. It's a <laughs> Oh, oh, there's me flannel. Yeah. Okay, so Mark is going to do his review of his book. Right. And what's the book? And my book is called The Beatles Liverpool, a complete guide written by a fellow called Ron Jones. And um, back in the 70s, Ron was a deputy public relations officer for Liverpool. And uh, in 1974, he produced the Beatles collection uh, from Liverpool to the World Souvenir Pack, the first of what was to become an extensive range of Beatle items. And he then became head of tourism for Liverpool and Merseyside. And uh, he introduced uh, trained Beatle guides, the guided coach tour. Oh, the ones, the ones we see now? Yep, yeah, the Magical right. Mystery oh, Tour. He started all that last. Good for him. He was uh, instrumental in helping Bob Wooler and Alan Williams get the first Beatle convention off the ground in 1977. I went to that. And... Uh, He's done lots of other things as well. Uh, he also worked for uh, Liverpool University, so my wife says. And uh, he's, he, at the moment, well, there is a website which I'll have to check up on, uh, the Merseyside Photo Library, uh, www.merseysidephotolibrary.com, where he has lots of cityscapes, uh, photographs, and... Um, all sorts of bits and things. A nice picture of him on the back there with posing with oh, his guitar. Oh, when in his younger days. And when you open the book to begin with, uh, this is a, a, a later edition from one of the two I've got. So this one was updated uh, in 2008, but it was first published in 1991. And there's a nice open the first cover, and there's a map. You can travel around the whole of Liverpool city centre with all the numbers down the side. You go from one number one to number two, three, four, and it takes you around the whole bit of central Liverpool where they played, um, the pubs they drank at, uh, the schools, uh, Keep Cathedral, the Blue Angel Club, Nems, Rushworths, oh, Hesse's, Cavern Quarter. And um, then there's little bits and, place, bits and pieces uh, further on in the book where he gives you a bit more detailed information uh, about every little piece that you come to, like the uh, town hall in Water Street where these Beatles had the uh, civic reception on uh, the 10th of July 1964 uh, and further on in the book pictures of uh, uh, the College of Art where John went to school well not school but yeah, to it college was, it was called a regional uh, Liverpool Regional Art College that was well, the official you, title of it well done and uh, <laughs> the picture here of uh, the April 1956 of uh, various people in this huge picture there. Yeah, yeah. And there's a picture of uh, Ivan Vaughan. Oh, God bless him. His, his uh, boyhood friend. There's Peter Sissons, the television news yeah, reader. Yeah, British guy, yeah. Um, there's the late Alan Dusty Durband. 
the chairman of the Empire Theatre, who was. became that as well. There's George Harrison. There's Les Chadwick, who played bass with Jerry and the Pacemakers. So, one, two, three, four, five famous people in one photograph. Well, there. It's, it's what a year that was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this book has got lots of nice colour photographs as well. Pictures of um, Speak Hall, where John met, uh, where George first met John and the Quarrymen. There's pictures of um, Paul's house and Western Avenue, Strawberry Fields, Gates. So does it, does it, in terms of a, being a tourist, would it be the essential buy, or uh, you know, would would they grasp a lot and do a lot with it? Oh, I would, I would say it's the play, it's the thing to to have really, because mm. it's it's not a big book. It's just a handy slip in your pocket. Mm. Um, there's uh, an index at the back, so if you get a bit lost, uh, you can find That's out. That's a good place to have a map. Yeah, uh, and also uh, there's some of the songs as well that they uh, they they wrote. Uh, so, for instance, um, uh, in Percy Phillips' studio yeah, yeah. in uh, Kensington, uh, in Liverpool, they recorded, yep, the Liverpool one, uh, recorded their first record for a pound, in spite of all the danger, yeah. that's what it was called. Uh, so I would say this book is the thing to have, really, if you're walking around, you're doing a bit of a walking tour around Liverpool, and also... If you come over to the uh, the posh side of the water, the Wirral, uh, it's it, not that posh. No, but where, that's just, where, that's it's where always we are now. You've got to build yourself to up be, a yeah. bit, haven't you? <laughs> uh, you just want your house prices to go. Up. <laughs> There's um, a bit of a tour around the Wirral as well, uh, called the Magical History Tour. He's called it. So I would say when I bought this book back in nineteen, uh, blah, well, blah, blah. sorry, two thousand and eight. Which oh. it's kept in good condition, really. Yeah. Uh, £6.95. So there must be a new version of it out now. I'll have to have a look and see. But uh, I would recommend that. The Beatles Liverpool, The Complete Guide by Ron Jones. Uh, go out and buy it now. Yes, boss. Okay. Uh, cheers, Mark. Uh, always useful. I mean, uh, to be fair, we've done the Beatles Places which is like a couple of thousand more places they can even venture to. But mm. I think mine's more of a sort of a compendium of stuff, which is Ron in, Jones. In, in Ron Jones might have been an inspiration. I didn't realise it. So uh, that's a really good book. Hi. Thanks, Mark. Super. So now it's time to harp back to those original questions Mark gave you earlier for the Beatle Trivia Quiz. Uh, let's remind ourselves what they are. Let's hear from Mark. Beatle Places Podcast. A splendid time is guaranteed for all. And we've got the receipt to prove it. Right. Here we are then. The Beatles Quiz. Questions one, two and three. Here we go. In that, I, o- in that order. I asked you. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can do the third one second and the first Oh, don't one do that. That'll just confuse me. <coughs> it's, it's confused me. Where am I? Right. Uh, question number one was, when the Beatles recorded their audition tape for Decca on January the 1st, 1962, a nice cold day, Mike Smith, the assistant to Dick Rowe, who was the A&R man for, for Decca, was told he could only pick one group of the two that he auditioned that day. Now, who was the other group that played? Any idea? It was Brian Poole and the Tremolos. Ah, Tremolos, yeah. Ah, it's all coming back now, is yes, it? I'm afraid so. <laughs> yeah, so Brian Poole and the Tremolos were the ones that got the recording contract that day. The Beatles were uh, said, no, thank you. 
Not today. Not one of the wisest moves no, the record really. company's ever made. But still, Brian Poole and the Fremelow was not a bad group at all. No, no, they had three hits. That was good enough. Right, uh, question number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, we come back, well, advanced quite a few years to uh, Tommy Steele and his statue of uh, Eleanor Rigby, which he, he made himself. It's on Stanley Street in Liverpool, quite a famous street. And he gave it to the city for the price of half a sixpence, which mm. is the name of one of his musicals yeah. he, he made in 1960-something or other. I'll sing it if you want. No, thank you. OK. Uh, but he placed some things inside the statue, which uh, as a sort of, uh, I don't know, what you call memento. it? A memento. Or yeah. a, a hidden hidden thing to be yeah. found in, yeah. in later it's years, a bit like the It's a bit like <clears throat> in the fashion of the Beatles statues on the Pier Ed. They got hidden things in them as well. We'll talk oh, about they? that another day. Right. But uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, so Tommy Steele's statue. Yeah, mm, right. Okay. So he put some things in it. And the first one was a four-leaf clover for luck. He put a page from the Bible for spiritual help. He put a sonnet for lovers in it. I don't know who the sonnet was by. Let's say Shakespeare. I don't I know. I guess so, yeah. Uh, and also an adventure book for excitement and a pair of football boots as well for excitement. Well, yeah, I mean, if you don't like the boot, you can always kick it Yeah. down so the street. I didn't know he'd put those things in. I did, I, uh, I, I, well, maybe years ago I, th- I thought I knew what he'd, well, uh, he'd yeah. put something in it, but I'd forgotten all about we, it. So. I mean, we go around town and see so many Beatle places anyway. Uh, we, you you know, I, I work bit, near yeah. the town hall. And I think of the Beatles on the balcony all the time when yeah. I go past there. It can't yeah. be helped. Do you wave? And then nobody waves nobody, back. Nobody, nobody uh, The window cleaner yeah. waves back, oh. but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, um, but the Tommy Steele thing, I never knew. Yeah. I never knew a thing. But we go past that one a lot as well, don't we? Yeah, yeah. And uh, lots of people get the photograph taken next to it because she sat on a bench with um feeding some pigeons, I think. Uh, well, yeah, it's meant to be Eleanor Rigby, isn't yeah. it? Um, uh, by another name, but... Uh, yeah, oh, that's, it, was so one of, it was one of the first Beatles statues I can remember as a kid. Yeah. And uh, there's a few others out there now, but uh, yeah, okay. Very good. And finally, a dead easy question, which I think you, 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 you're pondering, aren't you? Ponder, I can hear you pondering. That's me pondering, folks. Right. What happened on, the, on Saturday, the 6th of July, 1957? Hmm. <clears throat> there's a bit of a clue. I think you mentioned it before. Is it the Percy Phillips visit? No, it wasn't. Hmm. No, Saturday. What happens on a Saturday? Oh, oh, fates. We have have annual fates in gardens, garden fates. Yep, that's what happened. Saturday, 6th of July, 1957, was when John met Paul at St. Peter's Church in Walton at the garden fate, or the church fate. Uh, That's when they first met for the first time. Paul saw John singing on the back of a truck. Oh no, he was on. He was in a field by then. Oh, he was in a field, he was in a field by, by then. And we've been to that field. Aye, because uh, it's just a field. <laughs> yeah, just a field now. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> and when I think he, when he first met him, he said he John's beery breath. He was, yeah. Well, he met him afterwards. He met up in the uh, in the hall yeah. across the road from the church. So uh, yeah, a bit of a day that. Yeah, famous. How oh, come I didn't remember that? I don't yeah. know. But uh, thanks, Mark. So there we go. So uh, that that's it. And we're done. Right, we're very nearly there. It's uh, time for Carl to go to tonight's featured topic, which is taken oh, yeah. from his Beetle Places book by his good self. It's about John Lennon, 
and is a New Zealand connection. All yours, Cole. <clears throat> God bless you. Cheers, Mark. That's what we do. We're going to do another feature now, and it's a regular feature where we're just going to pick something out of the book that I've researched called Beetle Places, giving it a slight plug. And um, I looked up a lot of stuff to do with John Lennon and uh, his family, and uh, you can't help uh, but find out stuff on the internet and through various sort of ancestry-type websites that you can uh, get a lot of information. And what I've found out is the following. John Lennon had a connection with New Zealand. So it's been written but never proven that uh, John Lennon's father, Alfred, Fred, contemplated moving to New Zealand with his son around 1946, the summer of 1946. But this aside, there's been no known family ties out in Aus Australia or New Zealand. But if you follow the maternal line of John's family through the Stanley family surname, there's, there's quite a few. And here's the story. So John's maternal grandmother was a lady called Annie Stanley, uh, previously known as Millwood. And she was born in Chester, which is in Cheshire, in 1873. She married a fellow called George Stanley. And between them, they between them, of course, they had between them. They raised four daughters, which included Julia, John's mum, and Mary, which is his famous Auntie Mimi. The uh, Millwood family moved to Liverpool around the mid-1870s. And in addition to Annie, she had a sister called Harriet and she was born in 1878. Uh, the Millwood family lived in the middle of Liverpool, uh, somewhere called Kent Square. I don't know if you know Kent Square that well. I haven't heard of it, to be honest. It's, now it's like, uh, it was where the old tenements used to be. Ah. Yeah, it's all been flattened now, ah, made, right. made nicer. Uh, but uh, the, the family, the Millwood family from Chester, lived there until about 1901. So in 1903, Harriet Millwood married a fellow called Patrick Matthews, and he came from Ireland, so there's an Irish connection there already. So he came from Nochdenoon in Dunlea in County oh, hey. Meath. Um, and they lived in a place called Everton, uh, based in the middle of Liverpool, a suburb of Liverpool. And that street is now gone, a street, a street called 18 Bismarck Street, if you want some facts, folks. So they had their first baby, a fellow called Patrick James Matthews, in 1909. But when he, were eight, when he was aged nine months old, he and the whole family just emigrated to New Zealand. So they left for London and they got on board the SS Athenic down in uh, South, uh, Southampton. And they ended up in Morrisville, Masterton in Wellington, New Zealand. And they certainly prospered down in New Zealand because the, the family raised nine extra kids. And it's likely that after the Matthews move, Harriet Matthews kept up correspondence with her sister Annie back in Liverpool. And years later... Auntie Mimi kept up the correspondence, but this time with the baby nine months old who went away, who'd now grown up, and it was her cousin Patrick. So they kept in touch, though they never ever met. So he lived in a place called, here we go, got a drum roll, Mark, I'm going go to pronounce on. this. <coughs> Pahayatua Manawatu Wanganui in New Zealand. Any good? Excellent. Thanks, well thanks. <laughs> but Patrick himself had four kids. Uh, and so there was a lot of stuff going on uh, on about that, but there was never likely to be a reunion of the family because there'd been some dissension with the family through religion. Uh, the husband, Patrick Matthews, was a Catholic, 
and the Millwood family were staunchly Presbyterian, Welsh Presbyterians, if you need to know the facts. So fast forward, Mark, to 1964, the height of Beatlemania, and the Beatles were on world tour. And of course, where, where did they go? But the Far East, and they took in Hong Kong, Australia, and New Zealand. So they arrived in New Zealand for a week of gigs around June 1964. And a week earlier, John had paid for his auntie Mimi to get over there by plane and meet up with those long-lost, never-met relatives out in a place called Levin, Horahoe, Hen- <laughs> New Zealand, eh? <laughs> Who'd have thought? Just say Levin, New Zealand. Levin in New Zealand. So she stayed there with her, with her family and cousins, uh, somebody called Annie Parker, part of the Matthews family, and a lot of kids. And those kids, though distant, they all were related to John Lennon one way or another. So what Aunt Mimi did very kindly was she gave them all tickets to go and see the gigs in the afternoon at the local town hall and uh, it must have made their day. If you look on the internet you do see pictures of John with his New Zealand family uh, kith and kin and so what they would be if you look at their lineage they would be second cousins and anyway fair enough but there is a connection. A big family anyway isn't it by the sound of it. The Beatles of course had to come back for more stuff and business uh, back in the UK and they came back in in June but Auntie Mimi stayed for quite a few weeks after that and she returned home and kept in touch with the New Zealand family right up until 1980. And I didn't know an awful lot about that, apart from not being able to pronounce their names. <laughs> um, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't think that you know people like that on the other side of the world would be related to John Lennon, but uh, yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, um, what I'll cover in, in a future uh, podcast will be the family trees. And you'll be surprised uh, that Ringo has a, a more... They always said Ringo never had a, a direct Irish connection. Well, I found one. Uh-huh. Um, and George had a lot of interesting family from Ireland as well. Big story about George and his Irish roots there. Paul, of course, had Irish roots, uh, as did John. Um, and they, uh, conveniently, they all kind of happened in the 1800s. So we'll cover that another time under Beetle Family Tree stuff. Excellent. And I'll mention it next time. Jolly so, good. So there we are. We're all done and dusted. Right. We're hope all sorted. Hope you've enjoyed the features. Thanks for helping out, Mark. That's okay. So um, so we did all right, I think. Not too bad. <laughs> Didn't drone on too long. Nobody's no. died, as far as I know. <laughs> uh, just hope we passed the audition. Oh yes. So yeah. Thank you very much. Who else has said that? So if you like it, get in touch, and we'll do another one. And if you don't get in touch, we're going to do one anyway. Yes. So then, uh, we'll uh, give you some details of how to get in touch with us uh, at the end. Meanwhile, time for a quick advert. Advert. There's a book out called Beetle Places Podcast by me. Uh, Beetle Places. Not Beetle Places Podcast. Uh, which uh, I, I wrote, I, I written a little while ago. So uh, that's available and I'll put, I'll put some details up online on the podcast info uh, just to give you an idea uh, amongst all the many other books that there are. So now it's time, I'm afraid, sorry Mark, to twinkle no. our pips. Mm. And we gotta, we'll be back soon enough though, I think, with yet another one of these things and for your wonderment and delectation with all those features we've already featured. And next time... Aye. 
So the girlfriends and the friend, uh, the girlfriends and girlfriends of the Beatles. Lots of surprises in that. So what we're going to look at a feature what, about what they've been up yeah, to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mentioned just now we're going to look at something to do with the family trees of the Beatles <coughs> before the Fab Four. Uh, so in the meantime, remember, we don't take ourselves too no. seriously. Uh, I hope you don't either. Oh, uh, no, you're not. No, no, no. no. Oh, oh, well, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> so that's enough of me. And that's enough of him. Uh, ta-ra. Ta-ra for now. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs>